It says in this passage as an introduction, the Jews demand a sign and the Greeks seek wisdom. Paul's reference to Greeks is basically Gentiles or the nations. He's speaking of God's holy nation Israel and all the other nations as Greeks. They demand signs. The people of Israel want a sign. They want to see some power expressed by God. The Greeks, they want to see wisdom and intellect, philosophy and knowledge. But we, the church, the people of God, we preach the cross of Christ Jesus. We preach Christ crucified. And that is a stumbling block to both the Jews and the Gentiles or the nations. It's a stumbling block saying that it is the power of God because it's a man dying on a cross. It's a stumbling block to those who speak of intellect and philosophy because it's brutal and it seems so simplistic and folly. But to those who are called the church, both being Jews and Gentiles, it is Christ the power of God, and the wisdom of God. That's the cross. What seems like weakness and foolishness of God is in fact the power and wisdom of God. This foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. And it is something that is turned upside down on the world. It is a paradox. They do not comprehend that God's power was displayed in what seems to be the weakness of the cross and the foolishness of the cross. Our text this morning is found in Ephesians chapter 1. I want you to turn there, please. Ephesians 1, 19 through 21, let me read it to you. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age but in the age to come. Paul uses seven different Greek words to describe the power of God in the death, burial, and resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. What seems to be weakness and foolishness to some is the place and the time when God exerted his power more than any other time in history. He exerted his authority. It's called his immeasurable greatness of power. It's immeasurable. It's unfathomable. We can't comprehend that God exerted himself. I mean, I think of God who is omnipotent, all-powerful. And to consider that God created all things by his spoken word. But something happened at the cross, at the burial at the resurrection of Jesus and his ascension. And Paul tells us that God exerted himself because it is at this point in human history, in spiritual history, in all history of all fathomable concepts, God changed everything for all time. 
his power of recreation in this was amazing. He says this, according to the working of his great might that he worked. The working of his great might that he worked. He had great might, but he worked it. And powerfully. How so? So that he would raise Jesus Christ up and exert his authority above all rule, all authority, all power, and all dominion. He is describing every office and classification of ruling authority. And he exerted Christ from the dead to the throne of Jesus. Praise God, he raised him. Far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion. And above every name that is named. Now, let's take a look at these levels that he exerted his power over to raise Christ. Number one, the word in the Greek for rule, above all rule, is arche. It means the chief classification, the supremacy of authority and power. He raised Christ up above all rule. He then raised him up above all authority. That is the word exousia, which means governing authority. He is the supreme ruler. He is the supreme governor of that rule uh, with his exousia. And above all power, which is the Greek word dunamos, which means explosive might and power above every army and authority that could be wrought. He then took him above all rule, authority, power, and then last of all, dominion, where Kyrios, the word Lord, is there, and he is Lord of all other lords. He is king above all other kings, and God exerted a dead man in the grave, out of that grave, up to life, and through the heavenlies to sit upon the throne that has a name above every other name. That is the exerted power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's look at each of the qualifications and classifications of authority. He says that the Jews find this to be a lack of power, that the crucifixion is a stumbling block, that in fact he uh, was Jesus mocked as a thief in an unnamed grave. Foolishness, not so but in this, God exerted his power through Jewish authority, the nation of Israel. He brought rule over the temple. When Jesus went into the temple, he turned over the money changers and he judged the temple and he said, you've made my father's house a den of thieves. And he stopped that temple and he said that I will destroy this temple and in three days raise up a new temple unto God. He took rule and authority over the temple of Israel to create a new temple through his mediation. He took the authority of the law and he said, you speak of Moses, but you don't know Moses' law. You don't know Moses, for Moses spoke of me. 
And he said, I did not come to destroy the law, but in fact to fulfill the law. He is the authority of the law. He is greater than Moses. He's the burning bush that spoke to Moses. He's the finger of God that wrote the commandments. He is the Lord and all authority above the law, fulfilling it for you and I. They thought they had him when they brought him for execution and they nailed him to that tree. The Sanhedrin thought their power over this Jesus, this rogue prophet who would speak against the temple and their law, that they finally did him in. They mocked him on that cross and said, why don't you come down from there? They thought they had power in their execution. What they didn't know is that his execution was the fulfillment of the law that tore the veil in the temple and completed Old Testament Israel. They thought they took dominion over him and took that dead body and buried it in a tomb. But that was <laughs> their most foolish mistake because they didn't realize they planted the seed of life into that earth and once the seed of life was buried it began to grow and blossom into eternal life breaking the power and the dominion of death weakness no God exerted his power through all of this to the Gentile powers of Rome they thought that they had authority over this whole situation uh, Pilate scoffed and washed his hands from this man, Jesus. He's a simple thief. He's a fool, a madman who thinks he's a king. And after he was dead, Rome took the authority to roll a stone in front of his tomb as if a stone was going to stop the exerted power of God. I don't even think God bothered with the stone to even speak of it. He told an angel, go move that thing. That angel picked up that stone like it was a skipping rock and tossed it aside. No stone could stop the power of the resurrection. Ah, but Rome, proud as it is, it says that the sun never sets on the Roman Empire. It was so vast and so complete. And the authority of Rome set their seal upon that rock so that no one dare touch or tamper with that tomb they put that pack of mud and rope upon the stone with the Roman seal on it no Jew no Roman no person alive would dare tamper with that seal of Rome as it is the authority of life and death but they didn't know who they were messing with the one who is the power of life and death and holds the keys to life and the grave. Jesus Christ busted that thing open when he rose from the dead, taking the dominion of Rome and crushing it under his feet. They put an armed garrison in front of that tomb, showing that the Roman rule and Roman law was powerful. The Roman garrison, they had at least up to six people in front of that tomb, soldiers that would give their lives. They were to guard a six-foot square area with their life, standing side by side. They were not to allow anyone to pass. 
But when Jesus rose from the dead, they fell as men who had fainted in terror by the power and the anointing of God. Jesus busted out of that tomb with the exerted authority and power of God to move the stone, break the seal, knock down a garrison, and take dominion over Caesar. When everyone cried, there's no Lord but Caesar, the church proclaims there is no other Lord but Jesus Christ. He is the authority, the rule, the dominion, the power over all. On the human plane, God exerted his power to destroy all human authority as Jesus ascended to take the throne. What about nature's authority? It's one thing for man to have authority, but nature is powerful. Men live and men die, but nature goes on and it continues to beat us down. What about within nature was the curse? When Adam and Eve sinned, all of nature came under the curse of God, and the evidence of that is that all of us will die. We are all under the curse. The curse is this, that the wages of sin is death. Jesus proclaimed that by his Innocence as a lamb of God, he took the sin of the world upon him and died and was buried. But because he was sinless, he broke the power of that curse in the grave to release life, breaking the curse over mankind. He broke the rule of sin in our lives so that sin would no longer rule our lives but righteousness will now reign in the people of God. He took authority over the grave and destroyed its power because those of us who believe in Christ Jesus and the exerted power of Christ in the resurrection, we too will rise and defeat the grave through what Christ has done. Amen. He took the power of death that we will all be consumed by, but only for an instant when we will rise to life with Christ Jesus because he triumphed over the grave and he triumphed over death because he took dominion over the law. The law can no longer condemn you and I because it was fulfilled to perfection in Christ Jesus. And if you're in Christ Jesus, you walk in the perfection of the law under his sanctification as well. So he destroyed the rule of sin, he destroyed the authority of the grave, he destroyed the power of death, and took dominion over the law so that you and I would be free and live eternally. Praise, praise God. Amen and amen. Colossians 2.15 says this, Having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses and sins by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it, to the cross. 
It doesn't speak any clearer than that. He rose with authority over all rule, all authority, all power, and all dominion. I'm going to read this verse again so that you grasp it. Having been buried with him, you and I were buried with Christ. When you receive Jesus as your Savior, you are uniting with him on the cross, for it is our sins he died for. And we unite with him in faith on the cross so that we die with him and we are buried with him in baptism. Why? So that we will be raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God. The resurrection is the exerted power of God. If God ever stood up and stressed and put all of his energy into one thing, it was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This powerful working of God raised him from the dead. And you who were dead, us who were dead in our trespasses and sin, God made us alive in him, forgiving us all our trespasses because he nailed the law, the perfection of the law, to the cross, setting us free from it. Somebody please get this. Understand your position and where you are in Christ Jesus. The exerted power of God is here for us. He goes on in 1 Corinthians 15, 55 to 57, and he says, Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He exerted his authority and power over all rule, authority, power, and dominion, both on the human level and now on the level of nature. The power of recreation, but it doesn't stop there. Because the resurrection brought him alive in the physical realm. It also caused him to rise in the spiritual realm. It is amazing to me that Paul uses the same four words for these rules of authority for the demonic realm and the spirit realm as well. In Ephesians 6.12, he says this, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against what? Rulers, authorities, powers, and spiritual forces, those dominions of evil in heavenly places. These are the same powers that he exerted Christ up through the grave to break authority of man, to break the authority of nature, and as well the authority of the spirit realm. Jesus ascended above the rulers of darkness, the authorities of darkness, the cosmic powers of darkness, and the dominion of spiritual forces. And we are in Christ and have that exerted effort against an enemy. Why do we run around with like scared little animal kittens afraid of the demonic realm when God's exerted power absolutely made an open show and an open shame of them? He says in Colossians 2.15, he disarmed the rulers and the authorities, the powers and principalities and dominions, to put them to an open shame by triumphing over them in Him at the cross. 
cross, which isn't enough power for the religious people. The cross, which is foolishness to the, to the Gentiles, to the intellects. We still run into the same audience, don't we? But they don't understand that God's weakness is his exerted power in the cross. His foolishness is the wisdom of the cross. Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians, if the rulers of this age, the rulers, the powers, the principalities, the dominions, if they would have understood who Christ is, they never would have crucified him because they didn't know that that started the power of God to be unleashed. Unleashed. It isn't over yet. Because not only did he take the second heavens and the realm of his authority over all rulers, thrones, dominions, and powers, but in the throne room itself, he elevated Jesus Christ and gave him a name above every name that is named and seated him to the highest authority on the throne of God. It says that God gave Jesus Christ authority over all things. So that no matter what name you would name, you could name the names of Caesars and kings and rulers in the earth, his name's greater. You could name the power of nature and its authority throughout history through its cataclysmic efforts. It can't compare to the name of Jesus. You could name the powers of dominions, of demons, of rulers and authorities, but no name matches the matchless name of Jesus. You could call on the name of Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Rama, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Jireh, every name given to the Father, and none of them will match the all-inclusive great name of Jesus, Jehovah Salvation. It is that name that is the name God exalted for himself above all other names. It is the name that demonstrates his love, demonstrates his power, demonstrates his truth, demonstrates his glory. It is the name of Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah. It is the name above all, not only in this age, but the age to come. He exerted his full power and authority. God exerted and took the death of Christ and buried that seed as a nuclear weapon to explode and forever change the cosmos, human history, and all eternity. That's why he exerted all his power in the rest resurrection and exaltation of Christ now and forevermore. We serve the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Does anyone truly believe this? Will someone start acting like it? Why do we back down? Why do we cower? Why are we so afraid? When I know this power of Jesus, there's no way. I don't know if you can see this. Can you read that? Is it too small? Will you stand up and read it with me? We're going to read this as a declaration. Colossians 1, 15 to 20. Ready? He, Jesus, 
is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Give glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You may be seated this morning. And Paul explained this exertion of God's power over all rule, authority, dominion for one reason. We began this study with verse 19 that said, He did this so that you may know what is the immeasurable greatness of His power. Hold on. I just spent all this time explaining to you this power, all this power was displayed and demonstrated so that we would understand and know the immeasurable greatness of this power, what? Towards us who believe. Towards us. Who's got our back? Who can accuse us? What can separate us from God? No, see, church, we got to get back to understanding who we are in Christ Jesus. As Paul said, we are not mere mortals. We are raised in Christ Jesus, taken out of Adam, and the exerted power of God through Christ's resurrection and ascension stands in authority for the church. He is the head, drawing all things back through us, his people. This is the day, this is the hour for the church to understand and to know this immeasurable great power we operate in. Let's bow our heads. Oh God, we cannot comprehend this. Because of the weakness of our own bodies, we question you. Because the feebleness of our own minds, we doubt. Because of the actions of the people around us and the times we live in, we question whether you're in authority. How dare we? How we must repent of being 
the ones who are foolish and stumbling over your majesty. Forgive your church, O God. Give us eyes to see, a mind to understand and comprehend your greatness, your vastness. May we never lose sight of the cross, of what you accomplished there. May we never forget the supremacy of the name that is above all names, above all rule, authority, power, and dominion that is at work in us. You declared it this morning through prophecy. Unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or even imagine. That is the power at work in us. Father, I ask for you to release this power in each one of us. There's no one here worthy to handle it, but we've been made clean by your blood. We are weak, but you make us strong. We are unwise, but you give us the wisdom of God. It's not because of any attribute of our own, but because we're your hands and feet as the body of Christ. Oh God, pour out on your church once again. Fill your people once again. Let there be revival once again. Let the church speak truth, Lord God. Let us speak with authority and power. Let us lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Let us prophesy in your name. Let us pick up serpents and scorpions and tread on demons and cast them down. Oh God, let us speak with the language of heaven. Use your church once again, oh God. Pick us up, refine us, clean us, and empower us once again. Set a fire in your church, oh God, and let there be glory in the church in this hour. We want you, God. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen.